sense of place. Do you do you recall that the dear blueprint uh, listener segment that we well that we played with for many years? We have decided to 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 return to those. <laughs> Wonderfully fruitful waters of of place and association, and we will do so right now. It's it, it is it is difficult. Novelists might tell you to to get a protagonist from one room to another. All that bumping into furniture, that space and place in literature. It's a, they are things riddled with technical challenge, and of course possibility. Which leads to the question, how, how do you in writing conjure a sense of place? Something which is more than just a description of landscape. A sense of place that, and, and when this is done well, is, is something intimately bound up in the, the psychological life of character in that work. Lucy Trelaw uh, is a writer, the Miles Franklin shortlisted author, master of place, as evidenced in her first two works of fiction, Salt Creek and Wolf Island, and in her latest book, Days of Innocence and Wonder. Uh, she's Melbourne-based, but I have a feeling she will transport us further afield in our conversation. Lucy, hello. Hello. It's lovely to be here. Thank you. That, that idea of, of place in writing, it's a thing that clearly appeals to you. Oh, it certainly does. In fact, um, place is the very first thing that I arrive at when, I, when I'm when i starting a book. I, I see something and I think, oh, that's my next novel and it is that place. And and the person and the action arrives after that and comes out of place. And it can be quite uh, literally yeah. seeing something, an image in, in, in some cases in your, your, your writing history. It, it completely can. And um, sometimes uh, I'm I'm very interested in ghost towns and abandonment and abandoned buildings, and it's happened twice now that I see an image of a, of a place, in this case with my new novel, of an abandoned railway station in South Australia, and I instantly had this kind of um, sort of like an electrical shock feeling that that was going to be the thing I would write about, um, and everything comes from that point. So all around, it was just this um, empty railway station and, and red earth all around and nothing else for miles um yeah, they seem incredibly resonant uh it's in it's a little bit further west towards Sejuna in south australia from where i ended up writing about mm-hmm. but the spark remained and I, I tracked it down the other day it's a this very i think it it, I think they still do occasionally get trains through, but very rarely. <laughs> not often enough to disturb the dust. <laughs> no, no. So, so having having seen that image of place, it, 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 are you then filled with, as you say, that electric spark? But do you needs must you must get there? You need to see this for yourself. Oh, I do, I do, and I unfortunately I had this electric spark feeling with uh, when when it was still lockdowns in Melbourne. So oh. the minute they stopped, I just hot footed it across to South Australia, and I was really looking for um looking. I didn't want to go as far west as as that particular railway station, but I did want a railway station. If there's too much abandonment, there's no way for a person to meet other people. Um, it, it just becomes too isolated. So I went looking for railway stations in um, slightly more habited, inhabited places and by accident came across this incredible town called Tarawi in the mid-north of South Australia, about um, 
about two and a half hours north of Adelaide. It starts feeling very remote very quickly. It's probably unsurprising and that we it, it's not a familiar name to us. <laughs> no, 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 it's really like I, I had never heard of it and it was a complete accident when I when I found it. And it's just this beautifully intact, almost completely abandoned um, town uh, with with shop fronts beautifully intact 1880s shop fronts that are sort of gradually falling apart from the from the back up to the facades uh, and in this empty main street it just honestly if a tumbleweed had rolled down this main street I wouldn't have been surprised <laughs> I could have napped in the middle of main street um, but yeah, that, that, so that, I just started visiting. Yeah, it started visiting. So you you became something of a regular. You you, you became eighty percent of the Tarawi <laughs> annual economy. Oh, I did. <laughs> I did. If, if, but the shop only sold like two loaves of white bread and two liters of milk and one packet of instant noodles, and that is literally the contents of the shop, which I only found open once. <laughs> um, and uh, but you know, I went in and I looked around and I thought, okay, I'll have one of the liters of milk, thanks. I'll have one of everything, <laughs> please. <And I'll laughs> just, to, just to provide some business. Oh, it's incredible. There's a wonderful moment. Are you describing those deteriorating storefronts and this observation in the book of abandoned shops that people had were, were taking care, were putting items in those windows with a sense of arrangement that there was something there, pieces of of crockery, which uh, it's yeah. a bit spooky but also a bit charming? It, it, the, I found the abandonment less troubling than the, the, the little gestures towards continuing occupation. But mm. the, 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 the continuing occupation suggestions were a little bit troubling for me and I kept on looking around to see if anyone was there putting those things in windows. I think they had a little flurry of, um, they must have had some funding that came from the government at some point. Tidy town and, winners um, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. And there's a kind of blacksmith shop that's set up as a museum that's quite weird but fantastic in a in a sort of rural Gothic way. South Australia is really great at rural Gothic. It's, um, yeah, very extraordinary. But this is the extraordinary thing. I mean, yes, you, you fictionalise, but lives are being lived in these places and lives set into this this world of, of, of encroaching abandonment. Yes, and I, I'm, I'm so interested in that. And it, it's that sort of in-between state of it. And, and it's it, to me, supported the psychological state of the narrator, the book's narrator, and, and how she was, that she was sort of in-between living fully and um, and abandoning hope. And No and, spoilers, Lucy. And, no, no, in between. I'm not saying which way things go. Um, yeah, but it's just that that kind of the psychological landscape, the psychology of it uh, is a hugely enriching sort of thing to explore in, in your fiction, I think. Um, yeah, it, it suggests so much about character. Uh, well, I'm interested in how a, a place gives gives birth to that, that character and their psychology, how those things... Um, like like little seeds, I guess, thrown in the soil there, how they sprout and develop. I think they're um, just thinking about how I approach this book, that I, that I started with that place, but I think it must be responding to something that I'm interested in exploring that I'm not really aware of yet, and and that is the seed, that, that mm. particular thing. And then I started thinking about this idea of abandonment um, and of, of loss and haunting and, and this 
this is a kind of haunted landscape in many ways. It is literally almost a ghost town. The landscape itself is is haunted by the the kind of destruction of so much of the First Nations culture. And then the character is haunted by by a lost friend from her childhood. And so she's in this long, long shadow and trying to walk out of it into light. And and the township, despite it being haunted, represents a kind of light for her, I think. There is a constant, as you point out there, with an Indigenous culture in this place, there is a constant sense of presence. I'm, I'm, I'm cautious of referring to that as a haunting, but there is a... Especially mm. in places where the, where the touch of colonial culture is is lighter or deteriorating, there is this mm. stronger sense of something reasserting itself after that. I I very much agree with that, and that's why I have I have an indigenous character who who is part of that presence of reasserting it, and is based on a person I met who is busy. Um, uh, trying to revive um, Nadjeri culture, which is the language group there, um, and uh, yeah, I'll be worked at working further with her on, on some of that project of hers. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm so aware of that and of the need in, if if I'm writing in that sort of world um, to assert that ongoing connection that they have with place. Place and and we'll we'll go to detail on this, but in your previous two books is also. A very significant player, but I'm wondering in your own history, mm. your own ex- extraordinarily sort of disparate geographical background, how mm. much that contributes to an interest in place as an idea. You you have Malaysia, England, Sweden in your own life, and of course yeah. Australia. I do, I do, and and but part of, I mean, probably the larger part of all of that is my South Australian parents, and I'm I'm constantly looking at. Uh, what place means in the stories that I have from family history in South Australia, which dates back to the very earliest colonial times. Mm. And and I'm so aware of how so much was scrubbed from that history, the erasures in that history, and wanting to kind of lift up the lid on what was actually happening and having a look at, a look at that. Yeah, that's some, I, that's something yeah. something that we share is is South Australian parents and oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> well, but it's it is a really interesting place in terms of this conversation because there is something about South Australia. Is it the the presence even in Adelaide the, that constant presence of a of a geography out there of an environment out there of of another world of this Adelaide seems perched. And all the places in South Australia, likewise, seem to be just perched by their toes into something much bigger and something a little bit unrelenting. Oh, I totally agree. And I, but I think it's uh, one of the fascinating things is the feeling of connection that South Australians still have with their, um, I guess, their origins within South Australia, that mm. they have a very mm. strong feeling of, of uh, you know, which bit of South Australia they come from and for what reasons and what happened in their past. And I don't know if it's because the colonial history is more recent because there is, um, I have the feeling there, that there is much better awareness of ongoing First Nations presence in all cultural life in South Australia than I've experienced in other states. Um, yeah, I think it's a huge bit of that country. And it's such a resonant landscape in any direction you go. It's just extraordinary. I'm amazed it's not better known. 
Do you think you're a writer that that sees the, the the dominance of place in shaping us, or a writer? I mean, what, what the alternative approach, I suppose, is of other writers who pop characters and action into a setting. I, I wonder which is more truthful. I think about this a lot, and and I think what I end up thinking is we are made by place. Mm. And we make place. So I see them as extremely closely interconnected. And, I mean, I can't really create a story where people are not influenced by where they live. And even if it's a city story, we're all kind of shaped by the places we live. But plot rises out of place as well. And I was so struck in um, South Australia, and I take a lot of photographs while I'm while I'm um, doing research, <laughs> By the ways places suggested plot. So I came across this ruin and this enormous water tank in the ruin and I just thought, oh, that's really creepy and took, you know, 50 pictures of it and uh, it made its way into my into the book. It um, does. <laughs> and that kind of thing happens again and again. I find that so interesting. I really don't know how I would do it without going and visiting Places, but it, it, and that, that's true. And your imagined creations around those things, but it must also be true for the lives lived, in fact, around them, and, and as you say, in cities too. For sure, for sure. I mean, I and I don't really. I mean, I'm writing a fictional world, and because I met so few people in Tarawi, I don't really know what people in Tarawi think, apart from the woman at the coffee shop. Um, but I, but I just think that uh, the ways. The ways that that place must shape those people, uh, I mean, as unfathomable as they are to me, must must be incredibly rich, I suppose, to them. Um, there's this town I went to called Yongala, and it just felt awful to me. And actually, my great grandmother was uh, born there and left with alacrity um, at the turn <laughs> of the last century, and never went back. <laughs> um, but, but that place itself, I, I was fascinated by. It had an incredibly kind of gloomy, um, well, very, very marginal quality, just just hanging on. And I, it, mm. those sorts of things make me wonder about the history and what that feeling does to that to that sort of to that town and to its population, which is hanging on. And and interesting mm. little paradox, I suppose, in in the. The inspiration for the new book coming from that image that you glimpsed in lockdown, in the, in that that placelessness of the confinement of lockdown, how do those two mm. things play against each other? Yes, I I think about this a lot, and I think about it a lot still. What was going on? And I, I one of the things that I did in lockdown was wander the lanes of the inner north in Melbourne, which at that time, were incredibly abandoned by councils. They just stopped mowing them. They stopped mm. keeping them up. And so all of these bluestone lanes were just sort of meadows with fruit trees hanging over the, over the fences <laughs> that I kind of ate my way along seasonally for, you know, I felt like I must have been doing it for about 18 months, I suppose. And, um, and as soon as lockdown finished... I left these kind of enclosed tunnels of vegetation and sort of was sprung into the middle of South Australia. And for people who don't know South Australia, it is just like these vast swathes of golden grass and sapphire sky and almost impossible to um, 
comprehend space. Mm. And coming out of lockdown in Melbourne especially, uh, I just it felt like this um, burst into freedom. Your head must have exploded. Oh, it was incredible. <laughs> Lucy, thank you. Wonderful to pick your mind on that subject, that, that oh, fascinating idea you. of place and place in writing. Mm. Oh, thanks so much for your interest. Lucy Trelaw is an author and her, her latest novel is Days of Innocence and Wonder. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.